It's Richard Ellis Talks with founding pastor of Reunion Church in the heart of downtown Dallas, Richard Ellis. Whether you find yourself in a good place or a difficult place, perhaps even in a very lonely place, you've come to the right place, a place to hear that you matter, to hear that you're loved, and that's something everyone desperately needs to hear. Now, if you're not able to enjoy today's entire program, just go to the website, richardellistalks.com. All of these video talks plus hundreds of audio talks are waiting to encourage you, challenge you, and to give you hope at richardellistalks.com. So with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Speak of the Devil. Uh, this phrase, uh, if you know what it means, mentions... You mentioned someone's name, and I'm sorry for whoever just walked in our service. I was not referring to you. Um, uh, but it, that's what it means, is you're talking about somebody, and they walk in, and you say, well, speak of the devil. But actually where it originated hundreds of years ago uh, was that people thought you should not talk about the devil. So in, in England, it was not speak of the devil. It was talk of the devil. And it was just one of those things in the same way they didn't talk about God irreverently. You shouldn't even bring um, the enemy up. So I have, a, I have respect for my enemy, but I do not have fear for my enemy. Okay? So the more time you spend focused on your enemy and the less time you spend focused on your God the more fear you will have of your enemy. If you know truth, if you walk with God, if you know that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world, you don't spend your time fearing your enemy. Um, now, I'm not saying the enemy doesn't have power. He has no more power than God allows, and, and we'll talk about that a little bit today. It's a little freaky and a little disturbing because you say, well, if, if the enemy can't do anything without God's permission, then why is God allowing this? You have to start with Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God, and even take it before that, because that's just talking about our world, our creation. You've got to start with him and work, yourself, work your way down. If you start with little old me and try to work yourself back, you will never make it. So our ways are not his ways. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. You don't know what's going on. You don't know why he allows what he allows, but he has a reason, and you can either trust him or you can't, and if you can't trust him, then eat, drink, and be merry. Tomorrow we die, and it's all over. So go to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis 2, and let's start in verse 16. The universe is created. Animals are there. Plants, everything's there. Man's there. Uh, and verse 16, the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may, you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of what? Good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So there's a tree that if you eat of that tree in that garden, you would know good and evil. Now this is before there's any sin. And I try to remind us of this, that in that same garden was the tree of life. They could have eaten from that. But the enemy comes and says, there's only one tree you can't have, and God's withholding something good from you. If God tells you something is not going to be good for you, don't be a two-year-old and say, well, I'm going to find out for myself. 
right? Well, you're just, try, you're just trying to keep something from me. This is a nightmare with raising kids. You're a parent. You're trying to help your children. And you say, look, this is not going to work out well. Yeah, but you did it when you were young and it turned out okay for you. You're a Christian and God forgave all your sins. You're trying to keep, you're trying to keep me from the fun. No, I'm trying to keep you from the disaster of your quote-unquote fun. And a wise kid goes, you know what? I get it. I'm out. But foolish people say, no, I got to prove it for myself. I got to screw my own life up and prove that what you're saying is true and find it out on my own. So they eat of this, this tree and kaboom. And unfortunately, not just kaboom on them. It's kaboom on us. So now evil enters the world, everybody's born a sinner, and crazy stuff has been going on ever since. Go to Job chapter 1. I'm bringing up Job a lot lately because I, uh, I am intrigued by how this went down. There's evil in the world, Satan in the conference room of heaven, so to speak, and Job 1.8 again. Then the Lord said to Satan, he's, he's there. Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and shuns evil? God brings up Job. And Satan basically says, well, he, you protect him. And God says, okay, you can do anything. You can't take his life. Initially, you can't take his health. Then he said his health. The only thing you couldn't do is take his life. Uh, and it's game on. Now, you say, well, this is sadistic. This is like malicious. Like what in the world is God doing up there? This guy lost his kids, all of his possessions. Forget the possessions, just his children alone. It's catastrophic pain. You say, what is that about? You are not going to explain these things. You, you have to let God be God. And you've got to trust him. You say, well, I don't want to trust him. Then where are you going to go? We're going to trust me? You're going to trust yourself? I'm not going to get me anywhere. So you have to trust him. John chapter 8. People think, oh, Jesus was all nice and gentle. You get all upset. Okay, let's go Jesus then. John 8, 44. Talking to these religious leaders who should have known better. You are of your father, the devil. Your dad is Satan. How's that for being nice? And these are religious people who God is supposed to be their father. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. So the world comes at you as a teenager, a child, and says, okay, here's, here's the new truth. There is no new truth. There's only truth. Amen. You can't be making up truth. It used to be wrong to steal. Now it's not wrong to steal. That's the new truth. And so you raise a bunch of kids and go, well, if I just steal under a certain dollar amount, nothing's going to happen to me. And then you have chaos and wonder why they're breaking in your house. Because you've told them it's okay. And if we don't deal with our own sin, then we feel like hypocrites when we address some, something that's going on in the culture. Then deal with your own sin. 
remove the speck, whatever's in your eye, so the beam that's in your eye, so that you can see more clearly to remove the specks. Don't just go, oh, well, I got my favorite little sin and I ain't giving up my stash. And I'm not just talking about weed. Christ, all Christians got all kind of stashes. My little favorite sin. Well, if I, you know, if I get right with Jesus, I'm going to have to give up my little thing. And then the world goes to hell and you go to heaven and, but have nothing to show for your life. John 10, 10, let's read it one more time. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they, might, that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly or to the full. There's two plans. Pick a plan for Christ's sake, for your sake, for everybody's sake. The enemy does not mean you well. He doesn't mean your family well. If you're going to fight forward like we've talked about, you have to pick a plan. And if it's life and more abundant life, then that does not involve a life of sin. There has to be some repentance along the way and say, okay, God, use me. Make me usable. Romans 7, 21. This one will blow your mind. Uh, Romans 7, 21 Paul writing here, and, and he's talking about himself personally, but it applies to anyone. I find then a law, like the law, of, when, they, when, when the scripture talks about law, like the law of gravity. Yes, there is a law of aerodynamics that supersedes the law of gravity, but there's still that law. He says, I find a law, meaning this is going to happen no matter what, that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. So what am I guaranteed based on that? All the way here, this week, I'm telling you, I am fighting forward, trying to do the right thing, and I promise you, evil has been present with me the whole time. You wake up, decide you're gonna go to church or not. You think evil's not present? You say, well, I thought I was a Christian. What do you mean evil's present? They don't have to be in you to be with you. Just, just pick your, the sin that so easily besets you. Every weight, the sin that so easily besets you. Anybody got that one in mind? Raise your hand. You, you've got that, that thing that, 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 that takes you out. Just say, Lord, today, I don't know about tomorrow, but between now and midnight, I'm going to make a run at doing the right thing in this area. I'll bring you some evil. They're coming. Oh, really? You want to do the right thing? Oh, good luck. Because we're going to be right here pushing back. Why do you think it's so hard to quit sin? Because they start lying to you. You got nothing. You're nobody. What, are you going to live right for, for a few hours? You're coming back. You're ours. You belong to us. It's all lies. If you're a Christian, it's all lies. But if you believe the lies, they got you. Ephesians 6, 12 for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. You are not going to win the fight without the armor. It doesn't mean you're not a Christian. It just means you won't suit up.
If, and you say, well, I'm just not tired of my sin yet. Okay, I get that. But you may die before you get tired of it. And then you're going to get to heaven and your life be tested by the fire, 1 Corinthians 3, and you have nothing to show for your life. And you will suffer loss. It says that. I'm encouraging you to say, Lord, what am I doing? What are you trying to do in and through me? And stop believing the lies. You're nobody. You got nothing. You'll never amount to anything. If people find out where you've been, what you've done, you'll be discarded. That's all he's got. There's nothing but screwed up people who have been rescued and saved and that God uses. You say, well, I'm going to get cleaned up and then God will use me. The second he starts to clean up, he can use you. I'm, I had this conversation the other day with a guy and, and, you know, taking hits, bullets on the battlefield. I'm like, dude, you can take a hit and still carry someone off of a battlefield. And real soldiers don't leave anybody behind. Even dead bodies they don't leave behind. They'll die trying to, to remove a dead body because you don't leave people behind. So you say, well, I'm, the devil's kind of hit. He's shooting at me. And this guy's in worse trouble than you. Pick him up. Two of you pick him up. Carry him off the battlefield. Get him some help. If you're waiting for it to all be clean and beautiful and nice, it's not coming. Oh, I'm going to be all perfect, and then God can use me. He's already declared you perfect. He's just trying to clean you up and let, use you on the way. James chapter 4. I've kind of not really thought about what this really says here. Um, do you ever wonder where wars come from and people fighting comes from? It actually says in the Bible. James 4.1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Here's the answer. Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? That can apply to whole nations. Some dictator. I want what I want. I want power. I want pleasure. I want control. Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? If you decide to be a friend of the world, you've said, okay, God, you're my enemy now. You don't want God as your enemy. Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the Scripture says in vain, the Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then one of the most misquoted verses in the Bible is verse 7. And this is how you'll hear it quoted. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And that is not what the Bible says. The Bible does not say resist the devil and he will flee from you. And by the way, while we're on this, the Bible doesn't tell you anywhere to be rebuking the devil. I always feel, oh, we rebuke you, Satan. You got no verse for that. Even the angels don't take on Satan. 
The archangel said, the Lord rebuke you. Be careful talking trash to the devil. You land on your rear end. You got authority, but you got authority in Jesus' name. I got no power over any enemy except for the power of God that is in me working through me. Um, there are certain situations where people would take on, even the disciples would take on a situation and he'd say, these, these don't come out but by prayer and fasting. You, you got to go to battle with all the armor, all the, all the weapons. And then people say, well, you know, I just don't believe that's going on. You know, I think that was back in the Bible and there's people aren't possessed anymore. And it's just mental health. Let's just go back to that. I feel better about that. Just people are crazy. That's all it is, right? They're just crazy. There's no evil in the world. And the devil goes, boom, got him. He just says, I don't exist. There is no evil. It's just mental health. And we go, okay, there's the answer. And he goes, here I go. Evil in my way through the world. In a world that won't, won't address the real problem, don't, won't call it what it is. And then every once in a while, someone says evil and someone says Jesus. And I go, okay, there's the answer. You say, well, they mention God. I don't, don't take this wrong. I'm not just listening for a God answer. I'm listening for words like my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to know somebody is hooked up. Because there's lots of world religions that believe in God. And the angels, the demons in hell, the Bible says, believe in God and tremble at his name. That's not the kind of belief I'm talking about. Do not be ashamed of the name of Jesus. You go back to the New Testament You'd be hard-pressed to find a place where Jesus isn't doing the healing or the healing is not done in his name or the, or the demon cast out in his name. But we're all nervous. We don't want to say Jesus. Um, if he's alive in you and living not just in you but through you, you're going to have less hesitation to mention his name. But if you're trying like a teenager trying to hide mom, drop me off a block away, right? You don't want him knowing he's your savior. Do you believe in God? Oh, yeah. Well, I tell all these girls, guys too, you go out on a date, what do I tell these girls? First date, look at the guy and say, tell me about your relationship with Jesus. Oh, well, he won't ask me back out. Okay, it worked then. Well, he's hot. I was hoping I'd get maybe a kiss first. And then we got some Netflix, and we got some chill, then we got all this mess. It wasn't, we weren't going to do anything. And now I got to marry him because I'm pregnant, or I got to marry him because I had sex with him, and, and your life's a mess. You go, well, why did God do this to me? You some kind of fool? You did that to you. What does the verse say? Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You're not submitted to God. The devil will just look at you and go, whatever, dude. We're not going anywhere. You submit to God. 
the devil goes, oh, now we're in trouble. And why does everybody have submission issues? You know why I sin? Because I do not want to submit to what he has for me. I want to do what I want to do. And he says, what are we doing? We're doing what I want to do. That's what we're doing. You just pipe down and get in the back seat. Or, or jump in the trunk, why don't you? Because I'm not doing what you want me to do right now. And then the devil goes, whoo. Because when you go to do the right thing, evil's present with you. And when you go do the wrong thing, it's really going to be present with you. 1 Peter 5, 8. Just speak of the devil. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Steal, kill, destroy, devour. He wants to eat you alive. So how do you prevent that? Be sober, be vigilant, pay attention. And by the way, this verse does not describe an enemy that sneaks up on anybody. And I've shared this before. Go to the zoo if you get a chance and sit around waiting for the lion to roar and you'll know what I'm talking about. The whole earth shakes. When he's coming, you know he's coming. So a little bit of good news, Revelation 20. Man, I don't get everything in Revelation, but I am so grateful for this book because it would be so terrifying to live without some end in sight. Some indication there is an end coming, this is what it looks like, and this is what's going to happen. Lots of hope in the book of Revelation. Revelation 20, verse 10. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever, period. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Uh, you say, well, what does that mean? That means if you don't have Jesus, everything you've thought, said, done, everything written down in a book, and you're going to be judged for all of it, and it ain't going to go well. That's what that means. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one, according to his works. Now, why does he keep bringing this up? I am not going to be judged without Jesus. I am not going to give an account without Jesus. You say, but you've done all these things. I will give an account for the deeds done in the flesh, but I, will not, I am not facing God this, this great white throne judgment, I will face the bema seat of Christ or I give an account. I will still make heaven, but my life will be condensed by fire to whatever was only about him. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And then verse 15. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. 
You say, I thought you were going to read us some good news. Yeah, get in the book. Get in the book. Well, I don't believe any of this. You crazy, dude. I turned you off a long time ago. Then how'd you just hear that? Because you didn't turn it off. Because the Holy Spirit's working on you. You say, well, I, want, I, I, I gotta get my name in that book. How do I get my name in that book? Jesus, that's how you get your name in the book. Well, what about Jesus? You got no hope without Jesus. You say, God, I'm a sinner. I deserve hell. I deserve all of this stuff. I do not deserve to have my name in the book, in the book of life. I deserve to be judged according to everything I've done. But I see now that you sent your son Jesus, live a sinless life, die on the cross, shed his blood, be buried and raised from the dead to offer me the forgiveness of my sins and eternal life as a free gift. So God, if that's what you're offering, I accept. And I ask you right now to come live in me and through me, fill me from the inside out in the person of the Holy Spirit, change my heart, change my mind, change my life. Show me how to live a life where I don't believe these lies anymore, but where I find out what the truth is about you, about me, and about what's going on, and I get on with the life that you intended. Thank you for saving me. That's how you get saved. You say, well, then what happens? They open that book. Guess whose name's in the book? Your name's in the book. How did my name get in the book? You believed. Not just that he existed, but that he loves you and could save you, and you let him. Father, thank you so much. Um, the enemy's the father of lies, that you're the father of truth. And you love us and care about us. And I'm sure there are people in this room, maybe and beyond, who just prayed a simple prayer, had a conversation with you, and what seems way too simple changed their whole lives, their eternity. Their, their names are written in the Lamb's book of life, and no one can, can blot those names out. So, Lord, thank you for saving people, that it is simple. Easy for us in some ways, but not so easy for you. It cost you your life. And all you ask us is to believe that Jesus died, was buried, and raised from the dead to rescue us, to save us, to make us whole, to make us clean. A new creation. Start all over again. So, Lord, we pray for those who have made the biggest decision they'll ever make in their life. And use us as you see fit, Lord, to help them move that, that relationship along. And Father, for those of us who know you and we're getting our rear ends kicked by the enemy and we're tired, maybe some not tired enough, I pray it would escalate to a place where we, we are sick of sin, we love what you love and hate what you hate, and we stop calling good evil and evil good and stand and fight and having all done all to still remain standing, Lord. Um, Thank you that this is all true. It works. You're not, as Christians, you're not just on our side. You're on our inside. And that means that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. So yes, Lord, we speak of the devil. But we speak of you more often. And we try to keep our eyes and ears and heart focused on you. And we thank you that it works. And our prayer is even so. Come, Lord Jesus. And we pray it in his name. Amen.
We'd love to keep this conversation going with you anytime on the website richardellistalks.com. There you'll find the full version of today's talk, plus hundreds more of Richard's challenging and encouraging audio and video talks. Then discover over a thousand cities where Richard Ellis Talks is broadcast. Or you can share a request on the prayer wall. Plus, if you'd like to consider a gift, learn how to join the financial partnership team and so much more at richardellistalks.com. So let's meet again here next time to talk about how God is ready to change your life starting today with Richard Ellis Talks.